be seated. That was uh, really, really good. Um, Isaiah 40, Isaiah 45. And spend some time with this. I want to tell you a little bit about. I want to tell you a little bit about vision. Two things tonight. I really appreciate that song because if we really believe that Jesus is good, then we believe that everything that He does in our life has a good. There's something good for it. And so I want to say this about vision. Everybody in this room should have a vision from the Lord. <coughs> what I mean about vision is I'm not saying an out-of-body experience. What I am saying is where God calls you to do something that's bigger than you. If, it's, if, it's, if what you're doing is not bigger than you, then you are the limit of the vision. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because only in the Lord can we do something with Him that only he can do and not what we can do. If it's something that we can do ourselves, it's not really what God is asking us to do. So there's a lot of things that sometimes look like it's God, but it's not God. There's a lot of times that we look at things and say, God, you're asking me to do this, but here's what I want you to do. When God puts you in a place, he always puts you in a place of vulnerability. Look at Jesus. Everywhere he went, it was a place of vulnerability. He didn't eat. Sometimes he didn't sleep sometimes. He had people all over him. He put him in a place of weakness. He put him in a place of powerlessness. And all the way to the point of the cross, we read to the point where he was sweating drops of blood. <coughs> he was in a place of utter weakness, yet that was when the angels came and ministered to him that he was actually the strongest and we glean our strength from. So I want you to think about a vision from the Lord as something that's really a place where God calls you. Let me tell you about faith. The reason why faith is so powerful. The Bible says this in Hebrews 11, 6, and you know it. Without faith, it's impossible to what? You see, the reason why it takes faith to please God, because if we don't do something that requires God, then we please ourselves. So first level faith is what happens in the Lord. Irwin McManus says this. It's when you get to a point where you accept Christ that God does inner miracles. Right? Somebody pops off at you, you don't pop back. Whereas before salvation, what will we do? We come right back. That's, that's the first level faith. But then there's second level faith. Second level faith is where God begins to do a work here that requires us to take a step out. And if God doesn't show up, then we're good as done. That's second level faith. And so tonight, I'm hoping that we get to this. Here's what I want to say about the Lord. Isaiah 45. We're going to go a couple places tonight, so be ready. We're going to bounce around. Isaiah 45, verses 18 and 19. Right? Thank you, John. You're awesome. Even though your wife's not right, ready to go in labor right now as we speak. All right, for this is what the Lord says. He created the heavens. He is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty. Now, I've always, has anybody in here uh, read the book by Timothy Keller, who's a uh, Presbyterian minister of Redeemer Church? Is it Redeemer in New York City? Have you read Every Good Endeavor? Oh, my. One of the greatest books. Every Good Endeavor, talking about what God calls you to do in your life. He goes back to Genesis. He says, I mean, sometimes work will be fruitless. It's, it's incredible. The book is incredible. In fact, every professor here is having to go through it this semester. It's, it is really a, one of the best books. It's phenomenal. But one, one thing I can say about this is he did not create it to be empty because in Genesis chapter 2, when he placed man in the garden, God, man was not created in the garden. He was placed in the garden. Go back and read it. 
And then what happens is he, he, had, he did something to it. He cultivated the ground. He got to name all the animals. God gave him this imagination. God gave him all these things to rule and have dominion over. So when we cultivate something, it's when you go to your job, you make it better than what it could be because of the presence of the Lord. So he created not to be empty. You're bringing fulfillment, but formed it to be inhabited. Every time God brought punishment, what happened to the land? It wasn't inhabited, was it? He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Verse 19. Man, I have so much stuff. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I just want to stop right there and I just want to let you know God does not speak in secret. In the sense, he doesn't, he doesn't hide his will for you. He doesn't, he doesn't hide that. And so he's not speaking somewhere in a land of darkness where we have to grope around. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Let's go down to verses 21 and 22. This will all hopefully make sense. Declare what is to be present, uh, uh, excuse me, presented. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me, verse 22. Turn to me and be saved, all you the ends of the earth. I am God and there is no other. He is making himself known, and he makes himself known by the vision he gives you. So God gives you a vision. God gives you a vision, and then in through, as you're obedient to that vision, what happens is God's presence is seen and felt and made known, and you have an opportunity to share the Lord. Now, let me give you two things about vision. Ready? Here we go. Number one, vision is a location, and number two, vision is a demonstration. I, I like the words, uh, and John Piper wouldn't write about vision, but he used these words, demonstration, location, and then I was thinking about vision. I said, that's exactly right. Vision is a location and it's a demonstration. If you don't mind, John, if you could go with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4. And then Nehemiah chapter 2. And then we're going to get into some, some really specific stuff. Nehemiah uh, chapter 1 verse 4. Nehemiah, you know what you right, y'all know what's going on. Artaxerxes is the king, right? The Persian, you know what's going on. The people, the land is destroyed. He's there in exile. Okay. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed uh, before the God of heaven. Well, what did he hear? What did he hear? He heard this: that um, that the walls are down, they've been broken down, its gates have been burned with fire, and that the people are in disgrace. So he learned that a vision is a location. Somebody said this, and I don't know who said it. I don't know if it was Jeremy Paul. I don't know if you said it one time. This was a while back ago when you used this scripture. But somebody said this. The Holy Spirit grieves when the walls are down. Think about our walls. When we let down our spiritual walls, the Holy Spirit grieves. But this is really, really interesting. When God gets, So God begins to give Nehemiah this vision. And again, I don't know who said this. I don't know if it's Jeremy or Will or... I can't remember who said this. Um, somebody said this. I think it was Will. Vision cannot be disconnected by the vision caster. Vision cannot be disconnected by or from the vision ca caster. But just look what happens. Go to, go to uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. And let's just kind of read this and see what, what happens. Nehemiah chapter 2. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought out for him, I took the wine and gave it to him, right? Because he's a cupbearer. I had not been sad in his presence before. Y'all know what happens when you're sad in the king's presence. You can be killed. You know that, right? That no, one, no one gets that opportunity to do those things. Verse 2. Remember, he's an exile. 
So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not uh, ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And then I love how God is so, he just, I was very much afraid. I just love him. I'm scared. Right then and there, I'm scared. See, it's a location. Vision is a location, but it's also a demonstration. People can't say, I have a vision from the Lord and do nothing about it. If, you, if we're not doing anything about it, we really don't have a vision from the Lord. Or if we do, we're definitely in disobedience. Because vision is a demonstration. It's a, it's a demonstration of what's going to happen. So he was very much afraid. And fear is what holds people back from really becoming what the Lord would have them become. Listen, I was scared to death. I was scared to death in the past when he was stepping back from football. There's, I mean, you can ask Lynette. You can ask everything that he, my brother, he's here and he knows. I mean, I was scared to death because that was everything I'd known, everything that I wanted. But all of a sudden, the more I spent time with God, the more God was telling me, the more I spent time with God, he was saying, John, I want you to go pastor. Now, my flesh did not want to pastor. I, y'all, I've told y'all that. Pastors are weird looking. That most of them are not very attractive. Their wives are mean as hornets. Oh, my word, tell the truth. Shame the devil. Hallelujah. Right? You know I'm telling the truth. Just mean. Um, they're, they're, they've got comb-overs because they're losing their hair. Don't judge me. None of you. And, and so, I, like, I, I just don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I can be a football coach. I can be quite happy and content. And I try to rationalize. God, I, I'll lead more people to Jesus being a football coach than I will, will ever lead me in the church. Because in the church, I'm just with a small group. I've got all these people and I can influence. I have all this stuff. But sometimes God, sometimes God calls us away from things. And so I fought it, fought it. It took about six years, right, Lynette? 1993 to 1999. So it took about six years for me in this journey to finally just really cave in full, to just cave in. And it was through a lot of heartache and a lot of tears, a lot of self-searching uh, and soul-searching and just pain. And so but what happens is when God gives you a vision, there is fear. But if I stay in that fear and never get to that second-level faith, I will never complete what God wanted me to complete. Now, the byproduct is... I then become closer to the Lord. I feel closer to the Lord, and so do you. But until you get over that fear, you'll never be able to demonstrate the call of God in your life. And he does call us to a specific location. He does call us to a specific task. There's no doubt about it. Verse 3. But I said to the king, and the king lived forever, why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? There's the location. Remember, what is vision? Andy Stanley said, a vision is a clear mental picture of what? Could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. Let me say it again. A vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. I knew, I knew what summit could be in the Lord. I saw it in my, my spirit. I saw it. But but it, it had to resonate with my heart. So not only did I have a mental ascension and I could see it, but my mind and my heart lined up. You know God has called you to something when your mind and your heart lines up. When you can get the peace of God and get a clear mental picture from God, you got a vision. So they lined up. And I knew what I had to do and I had to step out into the place where if Jesus does not show up, if Jesus does not show up, we're in trouble. I mean, I, you know, when my, the first sermon ever at Summit was the eight people, three were football players. So that means there was only five people. I'm talking about Sunday morning, and I stood up like this and preached my heart out. Some people would call that not even a Bible study. But nonetheless, I tried to just get up there and say, look, Lord, I'm doing this for you. I'm not doing it for anybody else. 
and wherever you go, I'm going to go. And a lot of people thought I was an idiot. A lot of people thought I was crazy. Now they're just scratching their heads and saying, maybe there's a God. Right? All I'm telling you, demonstration and location. Let's go to verse 4. This is what, the, what really uh, I really appreciated here. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I'll pray. Vision has to be wrapped in prayer. And there's consistency. It's not just when you have it, you want to jump. There's a timing to when you jump. There's a timing to when you jump. Well, you know what God's laying on your heart. There's a timing to that. But you've got to so continually soak everything in prayer. Because vision is not just a location, a clear mental picture of what could be, but it's a demonstration because it's by the conviction that it should be. So we step out and do what God's called us to do. Got to have that vision. Got to make sure, make sure it works. So verse 4, then I prayed to the God of heaven, verse 5, and I'm going to stop here and move to something else. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servants have found favor in his sight, then here you go. He answered after, after he prayed. So that's what we got to do. So let me tell you about location. So when God gives you a vision, and you feel like you've got to step out, you've got to demonstrate this vision, let me tell you, it's, it's just like our salvation. It's that sense of security. Let me give you some insights about our location with God. Our location, that is, our Security with the Lord and his love for us is invincible. Piper said, I just want to give you, I want to give you something. Uh, in, in other words, we belong, I love what he said. We belong to God before we belong to Jesus. Look at John 17, 6. Did y'all know that? That we belong to God before we belong to Jesus? Jesus in his prayer, Jesus is getting ready. This is the night. This is after his betrayal. This is when he's getting ready to go. Uh, and be arrested. In between the betrayal, the Lord's Supper, right after that, this is his prayer. John 17. It's a great read. I have revealed, this is what Jesus is praying, this prayer. Jesus is saying to God, I, that is Jesus, have revealed to you, that is God, uh, to those whom you gave me out of, the, out of the world. They were what? Tell me. We belong to God before we ever belong to Jesus. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. If you go back and you read that prayer, you see what happened. is God gives these people, the disciples, to Jesus. And Jesus says, I didn't lose one of them, not one. Here they are, back to you. I fulfill my purpose. So I want to give you a sense of security. When God called you that vision, don't stop. Don't stop. His love for you is invincible. The location, where you are in Christ, it, your location cannot be changed. Because you belong to God before you belong to Jesus. Jesus would say stuff like this. Um, uh, you're in uh, my hands, and I'm in the Father's hand, and no one can snatch you out of that. He would make comments like that. Let's look at number two. The second thing I love what Piper said. Our names are written in heaven among the citizens whom God intends to bring there. Luke chapter uh, 10, verse 20. Look up here. You can write it down. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submits to you. Remember the disciples when they came back? And they were like, man, even the demons are subject to us in your name, Jesus. And he says, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I look, and John, why are you pounding me on location? Here's why. Because when you have a vision, you're going to get to the point where everybody around you thinks you're nuts, and all you have is Jesus. I'm telling you, you're going to get to a point where nobody, nobody's going to buy in. There will be a season of fruitlessness. 
That's okay. There will be a season of fruitlessness. There are times that God prunes. But it's okay. Because if you know that Jesus is with you as you're fulfilling that vision, your location with him is secure. So when I say location, I mean two things. Number one is the place sometimes where God calls us to serve. But I want to supersede that and I want to go a little higher up. I think our location is not as important as the one who is with us in our location. See, what does it matter if I'm pastoring Summit if Jesus didn't tell me to do it and be with it? Are you tracking me? That's when you can really, when things get tough, that's when you can do it. And you, tonight, you just, I'm, I just want you to be real front. See, and you, you buy into that. You really see it and ask the Lord. Let's look at the third thing he says. He says, uh, we're declared righteous by faith in God's free mercy. Uh, Luke 18, 14. This is the uh, chapter on prayer. Uh, Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. In fact, let's take a moment and let's look at that passage. If you don't mind, John, just kind of get that section for me in Luke chapter 18. You can just kind of pull up the whole chapter there. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to look at some sections. I want to start at verse 9. Have you, did, you, did you ever, like, when you read this, does this ever jump out at you? Look at this first part. There's some who are confident in their own what? Y'all know people like that? They're confident in themselves. They're confident in their righteousness. And look down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Jesus says, okay, you've got these Pharisees. They think they're righteous. They're looking down at everybody else. Let me tell you who's really righteous. Now let's go ahead and read verse 10. This is where it makes sense. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, that is, he thinks he's righteous, looks down at everybody else. And the other of traitor, a, a Jewish traitor. One who is the tax collector. Tax collectors go to the lowest bidder. You knew, we've talk, I've talked to you this many times. Tax collectors in a time go to the lowest bidder. So now, I'm, I'm, I'm a Jewish person. I'm, I'm of the nation of Israel. And yet, I'm going to be a tax collector for Rome. So I'm a betrayer. And which, by the way, I'm a crook because I'm going to get the lowest, it's going to go to the lowest bid. So I, I'm going to charge you super high. I'm going to charge you super high and rip off more money from you. That way I can make a living. It's the only way to do it. So, I mean, they're crooks. Uh, they're two-faced. All this stuff goes on. And they're traitors, verse 11. The Pharisee stood up and prayed uh, about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even, hey, just like this guy, right? And I have to confess to you, there's times I've said, God, thank you, I'm not like that person. And, and God is looking at my righteousness for me. Yours is no different than his. It's just as bad. Filthy rags. Verse 12. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all, that I, all I get. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood in the distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Verse 14. This is the beauty of the passage. I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. Right? Justified, just as if it never happened. Washed away. Done. Legally not guilty. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he humbles himself will be exalted. So our location in Christ, we have that righteousness, which makes it absolutely beautiful. Uh, here's number four. Here's a, we are ransomed 
from every enemy that would destroy our souls. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 45. I remember saying this, and actually I preached this at my father's funeral. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, right? And give his life as what? Yeah, for many. In other words, he gave his life away to protect us and deliver us from everything else. So your location in the Lord is very important. When you get a vision from the Lord, your location is very important. Know that God is with you. If God is not with you, you're going to really struggle. And you're going to question everything that happens. You're going to question relationships. You're going to question finances. You're going to question dreams. You're going to question your next step. But if you know Jesus is with you, yea, you will walk through the valley of the shadow. Are you, are you tracking me? I will fear no evil. Why? He's right there with us. All right? So that, to me, really spoke to my heart. Uh, I love this. Here's a location for us. How we are located in Christ. We're forgiven of all our sins, he said, through the blood of Christ. Matthew 26, 28, which is proud. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out uh, for many for the forgiveness of sins. I love a number of six things he said. We possess now the new life of the spirit, which is eternal. John 5, 24. This is beautiful. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. That's our location. So if you're, if you're in the middle of trying to fulfill the vision God has called you, as long as you know that you are located in Christ, it doesn't matter how it goes. Good day, bad day, it doesn't matter. Oh, God, I failed you. I failed you. How can you fail God? I, I, I love when people say, I failed God. Let me ask you a question. How can you fail God? How can you fail when Acts chapter 17 clearly says, that God is not a man, and I'm going to paraphrase, and he doesn't need any of our help. How, how do we fail him? We, we can't fail in the Lord. Listen, here's what God is putting us in a place where only he can do it anyway. So look, I talked about location enough. I want to talk about demonstration. I want to make sure that I cover that because I think it's something that I read in these scriptures that was really important to me. Demonstration is very important to me. Here's what I mean by Demonstration. A demonstration, I mean this, I want to read what Piper said. Demonstration means this, that there's an evidence of a God-given life, not flawlessness. Let me, let me say that again. What I mean by this is a demonstration of our walk in the Lord when we have a vision. It's a demonstration of a God-given life, not flawlessness. It doesn't matter that if, if I'm perfect, I can be as perfect like the Pharisees. Remember what we talked about this morning? If your righteousness supersedes that of the Pharisees, Unless you, unless you can supersede that, you're not going to make it into heaven. So then they're looking around the circles. Well, who's going to be, who can beat the righteousness of the Pharisee? Only Jesus. So what he's saying is, is that there's got to be a demonstration of God with you. Isn't that what Jesus is called? Emmanuel? Let's, let's look at some passages and see what I, what I mean by that. Um, number one, he says, Jesus promises that nothing can snatch you out of his hand. John 10, 10 28-29. Real simple but real specific, and I'll read it. There it is. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Remember, we belong to God before we belong to Jesus. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave. Some people, now, here's what, here's what I want to clarify. Some people think that they're saved because they belong to God. No, you didn't get it. Some people think they're saved because they belong to God. The only way to, to be saved is, is to belong to Jesus as well. See, God loves the world that he gave his son. 
And it's not his will that one should perish, yet people do. Right? So I want you to know the, the love of the Father never changes. The love of Christ never changes. But our salvation in him, we have to surrender our life to the Lord. And we, we've talked about that. But you want to be able to see that's what it means to have his presence within us. In other words, he promises that nothing can snatch us out of our hand. Even if things don't go right in the middle of the vision. Doesn't matter. Let's look at the next thing. He, I love what he said. He promises a helper. Let's go to the next passage. I think it's John 14. Um, there, there where he promises a helper. And that would be focusing on the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, uh, and verse 26 and 15, 28. Uh, John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Okay. Um, Thursday, some of y'all know this, but we had a, uh, a student here that was in that real bad accident. Y'all remember that accident? I was right here out front. So, and, and she was down, I had to be down there with her in uh, USC. She was in uh, the trauma unit. Uh, and there was, you know, another person in y'all know an accident. There was, there was, there was a fatality, all that other stuff going on. And then you also know Saturday, or excuse me, yesterday morning, another student uh, died in a car accident um, in, in Walter. And so what happens is when you think about that, this, there's a new norm that goes on in people's lives, right? So here's what happens. Remember we talked about this? this there's a traumatic event. There's a new norm. Lost my father, mother, uh, family, friends, whatever happens. I felt I whatever it might be. There's a new normal. So the mind is racing to catch up to the new normal. And most of the time, the mind sticks. It gets stuck. It can't get there. Uh, whether it's a serotonin level, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. That's where the neuroses sits in. That's where they come in in that gap. And, and, and that's where you begin to have certain types of. Uh, 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 neuroses that when people struggle, whether depression might set in or other things like that, because the mind's trying to wrap around the bit like, why did this happen? Why did this happen? So what we do is we learn, and they train us a lot, especially in seminary, and I, I've talked with some of y'all about this, is the ministry of presence. Because some people just want to know, is God still with me? Especially if they're believing. Or they have an idea about God. Is God still with me? So what I'm praying during those times is the only one who can give comfort, the only one who can make sense of what I think is a senseless situation is the counselor. Sometimes the greatest thing that I've ever done as a pastor is to sit and never say a word. And it's just to love people I mean. And sometimes in your vision, just sitting at the feet of Jesus and knowing he is there will give you momentum to get up the next day when you don't have anything else. Because God's going to call you to a place where your flesh is going to be in its very weakest. That's what's going to happen. Um, let's, let's continue on. Look at 26. But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So not only, not only is he going to teach, but he's going to remind us. I love when scripture comes to my mind. When scripture comes to my mind, I know it's not Satanism. He's not going to remind me of scripture. He's going to distort it. So when you're going to need that in your vision. You're going to need scripture. You're going to need the comfort of the Lord. You're going to need to say, God, speak to me tonight. 
this is a, a popular passage, Matthew 28, 20. But I think this will give you comfort in the middle of the demonstration. Remember what a demonstration is? It's, it's, there's an evidence of a God-given life. I've given my life to the Lord, and there's evidence that God is working in my life. And I have such great comfort in this demonstration when we're demonstrating our life to the Lord. God is demonstrating his love for us. When Jesus said, and surely I'm with you always. Just take that phrase and just stop for a moment. He's not going to leave you when things go wrong. He's not going to leave you when things go right. He's not going to leave you when you don't know what to do. He's not going to leave you if you fail a test or if you make an A. He's not going to leave you if you mess up on your job or if everything goes right. He's not going to leave you if your best friend doesn't like you or if your boyfriend rejects you or, or something else happens to you. He's never going to leave you because if he does leave you, he is a liar. And I'm closing up shop. Y'all might be, but I won't be here because I will be living out what Paul said. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. I'm going buck wild. I promise you. Either Jesus is real or he's not. He, I mean, he's either, he's either really the Lord or that's a lie. So if he's with me, he says, I am with you always. Jesus promised to be with us always. And I really believe sometimes that we, do we really fathom that he is with us? Like when you put your hands to the plow, and I don't know what plow that you're what you're doing. I, I really don't know what it is. It's your job and your house. I, I don't know what, where your hands are, but I do know this. You really believe that that is God working through you with those hands. And, and to sit around with no vision? What does the old King James say? Without vision, people what? Perish. I like that version, but I like my New American Standard better. This is NIV, but I like my New American. It says people cast off restraint. I completely understand that. People go crazy. If there's not a compelling vision, people do what's right in their own eyes, judges. People, everybody just does what's right. If there's not a compelling vision, this person says, I got a vision for the company. This person says, I got a vision for the family. This person says, I got a vision for the team. Or this person says, I got a vision for the church. Or, I got a vision. And all of a sudden, we begin, we begin to spread out like fingers instead of coming together like a river. That's what happens. All right, let me finish this thing up. Let me land it. Um, I love what Piper said. Jesus prays that our faith will not fail. John, uh, excuse me, Luke 22. I think he said Luke 22, 32. But I pray for you, Simon, that is Peter, that your faith may not fail. Now, so that immediately my spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to me scripture, and immediately I think of Romans 8. Why Romans 8? Who's interceding for us? Jesus. And who else? The Holy Spirit. You're going to need that in that vision. You're going to need the Spirit to intercede. It is okay to sit here tonight and say, Lord, I don't know what to pray about this. Because the Holy Spirit is interceding. But here's what you've got to do. Claim the promises of the Lord. Claim them. That God is real. Go back to what Nehemiah, that he was broken. Remember, remember vision is a location and a demonstration. If people say I have a, they have a vision, then where is it? What is it? And then our question is on the demonstration, are they moving towards it? Because people can sit here and say, yes, my vision is, I love this vision when people tell me, my vision is I'm going to heaven. I hear, I hear that from people all the time. You do too because you're laughing. My man, I'm going to heaven. Are you going? Yeah, I'm going to heaven. Their lifestyle doesn't demonstrate anything like they're going to heaven. 
which means that there's a problem. If they're right with the Lord, and they're demonstrating that they're not right with the Lord, then God says he'll not be mocked. And I told you, God doesn't do this. God doesn't say, hey, John, boy, you really messed up. Oh, sorry, John. You really, that's not what the Lord does. That's what, maybe, maybe you were raised that way, but that's not what God does. Let me tell you what God does. When God says, when we say, Lord, I'm right with you, but I'm going to live my own life, this is what God says. He says, okay, fine. This is God, and this is me. He says, okay, John, you, that's what you want to do? Absolutely, that's what I want to do, Lord. And God says, okay, I'm just going to kind of remove myself. Not, I'm not going to leave you forsake you. I'm here, but I'm going to let you live your own life. And you know what happens when we get out here? And you don't have any protection for the Lord. And we're just at the, we're at the schemes of the devil. And that's what happens. And people get mad at God. They blame God. You've heard it. Why would God let this happen to me? I want to ask, well, if you weren't high, why would God do this to me? Well, if you if you weren't doing that, why would God let me fail out? Well, if you didn't study, you would. I mean, God doesn't. He's not over here angry because it's not His will that one should perish. So He's in a He's in a place of that brokenness where God longs for us. And then the last thing is this: is um, if you can go to Matthew 6, 12, I want to just kind of end with this. Matthew 6, 12, where uh, I love what John said, Parker says, uh, Jesus assumes imperfection. provision <laughs> for it. I love this passage in the prayer. Do y'all remember this? Forgive us our debts or our, our trespasses as we forgive those what? Who trespass against us. He makes provision for us when we can't make provision for ourselves. Why do you think forgiving others is so important? I feel like I gotta, I gotta add this. Could you add verses um, 14 and 15? But I want you to hear it tonight. We're gonna close with this. Matthew chapter six. 14 and 15. He's making provision, as John Piper said, he's making provision for us. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 15. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Now what does that mean? Let me, let me say this, and we're going to close in prayer. We're going to ask, I want you to ask the Lord for two things. I want you to ask him about your vision. Location demonstration. And I want to talk about just in this moment forgiveness. God makes provision for us when we can't make provision for ourselves. There's no way we can make it right with God. So what did God do? He sent his son who? He made provision for us when we could. What does Jeremy do with his sons? When his sons can't cook their own meals. When when his sons don't know how to learn to do something, or maybe to, to write or or to read. He reads for them. Does this make any sense? He's, he's standing in the gap when, when they don't. Now, here's what's interesting about our, our, our walk with the Lord. He says, but if you did, this is, this is conditional grace. There's a condition in our salvation. 
He's saying, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So you tell me, John, that if I don't forgive others, then I am not saved, even though that I think that I'm saved? Yes. But John, does that mean I've lost my salvation? No. What I'm trying to tell you is this, is that if you are a believer in Christ, you will get to the point where you forgive. And I do not say that you'll forget. I love when people say, just forget it and move on. How? I don't know about you, but I'm a very spiteful, vindictive, and I love to hold on to when people hurt me. I love, it justifies my anger. As much, so if I can hold on to the pain, like it justifies my anger, it makes me feel like I am right. I am in the right to treat you all because, you know, because I replay what they did to me. Do y'all, am I? I'm the only one does this. And so I replay what they did to me. So and it builds up the emotions because all the emotions, anger's with it. So then I can just kind of spew my venom and I can justify my behavior because of the pain within me because I hold on to that. So what happens in, in this is I want you to see, Christians will get to the point where they forgive, but it doesn't mean that they will forget. So I don't like it when people say, John, just forget about it and move on. Or John, you'll just forget about it. No, I want to tell you something. All the pain in my life I've experienced, I can honestly tell you, I have not forgotten. Well, then how do you know you, then how do you, know you forgive? We've talked about this before, but can you let me remind you, it's like a scar. You look at it and you remember. But you can touch it and you have no pain. It's the same thing with this. When you forgive, you're providing for others what they can't provide for themselves. I have personally hurt people and tried to make it right with them. And I've gone over and over to try to make it right. And some of them just say, no, you'll never make it right. See, I, I can't provide for me what only they can provide. Jeremy's son can't read yet fully, but yet Jeremy stands in the gap or steps in the gap and reads. That's the difference. Jesus will provide in that vision, but we just have to turn to him. So I want you to ask tonight, since we're, this is our core, this is Sunday night, this is who we are, this is the core of who we are. I want you to ask God tonight about the vision, location and demonstration. And ask the Lord to give you all these things we talked about tonight, the provision to overcome when you can't, to demonstrate inside of you all the things that he's, that, that he's asked of us. For example, the examples uh, that no one can snatch us out of his hand. God demonstrated me the confidence that I have in you. Demonstrated me that the Holy Spirit is evident by walking in the promises that I have. Uh, that God, I know that you're praying for me, so I'm going to keep moving forward because I know you're interceding for me. All those things we need to have to demonstrate what God's calling. Because remember, a vision without demonstration is nothing more than a thought. Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight that more than anything.